Bernice Harrison of the Irish Times and Fergus Finlay of Bernados uh, are here with us to go through the Sunday papers. Just before we go to the papers, let, let's stick with that story, uh, Fergus. It's a, it is an awkward one, isn't it? For the, I, I'm kind of in two minds about it, I have to say. Where, where do you stand? Should David Drum's evidence be, be heard by video link? Well, of course, in the best of all possible worlds, David Drum should be here. Of course. Um, yeah, no, that, that's, presumably, that's the given. reason he's not coming is that he's afraid he'd be arrested as soon as he's finished giving evidence or even before he gives evidence. Um, and I suppose if I were David Drum, I might be a bit reluctant to travel home in those circumstances. I think the committee has three choices, really. It can accept his written evidence unchallenged. That would be desperately dangerous. It can reject his evidence in its entirety on the basis that he isn't coming to stand over it. Um, and I think that would be equally dangerous because he has controversial things to say and there are questions arising from it which need to be at the very least challenged um, or it can seek to challenge his evidence. And if the only way uh, is by video link, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I see um, why not. I mean, one of the most famous cross-examinations that I can remember in recent history, cross-examination by the Star Commission of President Clinton mm. took place via video link from the Oval Office. Um, but he, he wasn't... I suppose the issue here is this is a man who won't present himself to the Gardaí. And, uh, and, and therefore it's open to the committee, I think, to say, right, why should we believe a word he says? Yeah. Um, at the same time... Are they somehow... Indo- I suppose the question is... Are they somehow, by implication, not by intent, endorsing his decision not to go, not to present himself to the Guardian? That's an interpretation, certainly. Um, on the other hand, if they refuse to hear him, um, they're either rejecting or accepting controversial evidence. Um, I, I, I mean, I think if they refuse to hear him, they have to throw his statement in the bin, uh, and his statement raises, at least what we've read in the papers, raises questions that deserve answers. Now, some of those answers can be given by, for example, people like Fintan Drury uh, and Alan Gray, about whom uh, he he makes suggestions. Um, uh, Personally, speaking entirely personally, I'd like to see his evidence challenged. And if the only way of doing it is by video link, then, uh, then I think that's what they should do. Okay, Bernice, what do you think? Well, I think I'm with Kieran Lynch in that very nuanced interview. He he, he, he was get, careful. He was very, he, yeah, very he careful. And it, he's I, done a decent job, we should say, as chairman. Completely. And what he is saying, and I think he sounded so disappointed with his committee members for coming out this week and saying, "Oh, I'm not," you know, uh, the, the various ones have come out and said, "Oh, well, if Drum appeared, you know, and so on." Who who saying if Drum has appeared in video link, well, I'm out. Um, and he's saying. Let's wait for the legal advice. Now, the legal advice, I think, is supposed to come tomorrow, isn't that? It's the Attorney yeah, General's going to... So, they're meeting tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also times like this, I think, that, you know, those of us who just watch this inquiry would really prefer if it was staffed by, you know, forensic accountants, you know, financial experts, faceless grey people who are just going through these, the, the facts, mm. as opposed to people who cannot quite avoid putting their jersey on. He, he says, you know, leave your jersey at the door. Can't they, quite they, avoid you it. You know, like I've been critical of the banking mm. uh, inquiry and I'm not sure it's going to tell us a huge amount we didn't already know. I have to say, though, I, I haven't seen too much jersey. Work. There was a little bit of it mm. on Thursday, but there hasn't been too this, much jersey I think this wearing. is it, though. I, I, I think this case has been... Yeah, but the only I, problem with that theory is you've got somebody from Fine Gael and somebody from yeah. Fianna Fáil expressing disquiet. I mean, maybe they just genuinely feel disquiet about it. Yeah, but maybe they should have kept their disquiet to themselves and waited mm. for the legal advice. 
Okay. Fergus, you're, uh, you were taking issue with me a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting, saying I was... I would never. I was, I was <laughs> on a regular basis, um, saying I was too cynical about the, the bank inquiry. What, what, just, just lastly on this, I mean, what, what's your, been your verdict of it to date? Um, I, I actually think it has uh, given us some, uh, some fresh insight. Um, I think the Kevin Cardiff uh, testimony, for example, uh, well, you know, it was revealing in an awful in an mm. awful lot of ways. I thought Brian Cowan's performance, um, you know, was was revealing in its own way. Bertie's was well, Bertie was Bertie. Um, McCreevy was uh, McCreevy. McCreevy was McCreevy squared. Um, none of the hubris has uh, has disappeared and uh, he hasn't mellowed with age. Um, but but really, some of the some of the sort of behind the scenes people who have emerged, like Cardiff, uh, would be the, perhaps the best example, have have given us a lot of of insight into what happened. I mean, we 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 still haven't, I think, got a definitive answer to questions like why was the decision on the bank inquiry made in the way it was made on the bank guarantee? On the bank guarantee, it's also yeah. looking increasingly likely we're not going to. Um, so, in a sense, and I think I think we're getting enough information, though, to be able to draw because maybe there isn't one. Maybe there isn't one magic moment where they said it. Yeah, but I, maybe they just stumbled into I it. I think if you look at the three, the three main pieces in across three papers today about it, you know, s- s- two things stood out for me. One um, was that the, the there's now talk of an inquiry into the inquiry on basis of the whistleblower. Now yeah. your heart sinks. Whistle- uh, Mick Clifford was yeah. writing very yeah, well about exactly. this in the Now examiner. does yeah. your heart not sink at the very thought of that? Only in and, Ireland would you have an inquiry and, into the inquiry. Exactly. And then uh, Morgan Kelly. I think Morgan Kelly coming out, professor of economics, University College Dublin, who was, a, he of course predicted the bust, the, the housing, the property collapse. And he said, you know what? I'm not even following it. I'm not interested in it. It's it's um, well, the quote is here is it's going to do as little as all the previous inquiries. The point now, about Morgan Kelly, though, is I mean, he can sneer all he likes, but if they want him, they can compel him. Yeah, but they haven't. No, they haven't yet. No, I think it'll be yet. very difficult for the committee to compel so, Morgan yeah. Kelly just from a very well, if they want pragmatic him enough, point of view. Uh, they can compel him. I, I mean, the thing about Morgan Kelly is um, we know what he said. It's yeah. all on the record. You know, we don't, in a way, he doesn't need to give evidence. It's a pity he's not willing it's to a, because I, I he could a, provide a, a huge amount of additional isn't insight. It? I think it's fair to I say. I think it is. I think it is a very weird attitude. Um, for somebody who, you know, um, was one of the very, very few people who accurately predicted what was going to happen um, to say, I've no interest in that now, um, just strikes me as, you know, uh, lacking, lacking any sense of you know uh, serving the public interest. I yeah. mean, he's okay. a, you know he's a powerful, um, important academic. Last word to you on this, Bernice, because mm-hmm. I think Fergus myself could probably be categorised as political anoraks. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be a political no, anorak to no, the same extent. No. Are you uh, intrigued by the bank inquiry, no. or is it just going on in no, your kind of? Yeah, no, okay. I, and in fact, it it was only reading the papers this morning. We were talking about. We're going to be talking about this later about uh, the the uh, the rise of the independence. Um, and uh, Pat Leahy is a very interesting piece. Again, I'm sure we'll be talking about it I- in the Sunday Business Post about how the electorate are, you know, seeing in the banking inquiry all these politicians that they haven't seen in ages. And you're thinking, oh, God, there are you and your big fat pension. And that is feeding that, that the banking inquiry is in a funny way feeding into the rise, I think, of the independence and slight disillusion with the established okay. parties. All right. OK, let's move on. Um, 
Interesting column. And uh, I have to say, uh, Fergus, I, I actually think he's becoming really compelling reading uh, on a Sunday. Conor Brady, the former editor of the Irish Times. I don't know why I'm, I'm surprised, because obviously he was a very esteemed journalist. But I'd never have sort of thought of him as a, as a particularly great columnist. But I have to say, in recent weeks, I think his, his stuff is absolutely excellent, really compelling, whether you agree or disagree. And he's taken an almighty swipe today at some of the anti-water charge uh, people, comparing them, and this will go down like a, a lead balloon, comparing them in some ways to the, the blue shirts of the, the 1930s. While taking, while going to great lengths to say he's not comparing them. I mean, yeah. he does actually compare them to the, the rise of the blue shirts and, uh, and so on. And it's this, he's having a go at this sort of anarchic instinct. But, I mean... I'm not sure why we're surprised by this. Ten of the last 15 governments in Ireland were rejected by the people at the subsequent election. So we have form, you know, we elect people in hope and expectation. We throw them out in disillusion. Um, and uh, and we, we do that again and again and again. Um, and something happens in the life of every government um, that turns us off them. They break a promise. They fail to live up to expectations. They're disappointed in some way. I've worked for some of these governments who have, you know, gone into office in, in great hope and expectation and have ended up uh, disappointing people. Um, uh, and and that has happened in the last 15 general elections 10 times. Um, so there's nothing really surprising about, you know, where we are now. Well, and what's what about his now. point? And, and you're right to say he he doesn't actually specifically draw a comparison, but he, he, he makes a link between, he says, anti-water charters uh, activists will not welcome comparison to Owen Duffy's neo-fascists of the 1930s. But who has been intimidating workers, obstructing and threatening elected representatives and assaulting Gardaí? There are clear parallels in the tactics. Government figures are targeted for abuse at official engagements. Public events are disrupted. The police are goaded and provoked. Utilities and equipment are sabotaged or destroyed. Mm. There's been some of that and it's been disgusting. And uh, I mean, I have described some of the behaviour in the past um, uh, and, and, and some of the rabble-rousing in the past as, as tantamount to, to a kind of incipient fascism. Um, it's anti-democratic and it's, uh, you know, so on. But in the main, I have to say, and I'm not a supporter of the water charge protests, in the main, most of the protest has been uh, democratic, legitimate, peaceful, peaceful. Yeah. Um, we had that huge march before Christmas. We which did. Was and, now, and now there is another form of protest, which is people are voting with their, uh, you know, direct debits. They're refusing to sign up. Um, and whoever is elected the next time, Irish Water is going to continue to represent an, ama- an enormous dilemma for, for the government of the day. I, it, it, it failed to get off the ground uh, uh, and it has no acceptance among the public, despite the enormity of the job it has to do. Yeah, Bernice. Uh, well, it's the the did you pay your your water charge is going to is going to be one of the key questions asked every politician in the run up to the next election. Yeah, and it might it might necessarily be a barrier to say no, I haven't. Well, I mean, the Social Democrats, well, it, two of the two of the exactly, Troika that lead the Social completely. Democrats. The only said they two hadn't. things that I remember about the, their launch when was it last week? The week before last was that mm. Cadbury purple that they chose, and. That question, I that sort of, well, yeah, that, that sort of, the, the slight caught in the headlights when they were asked that question, and then the two saying no, and then everybody saying, well, sorry, hold on a and second. And Stephen Donnelly saying he, he, he wasn't couldn't remember because sure. the missus looked after it or yeah. whatever, implying that. Um, uh, well, he didn't say that, in fairness. No, he, the implication. That was the implication. Well, yeah, that that's the pretty much what I he did say. I think that was the implication. <laughs> I think he did say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's going to be a bellwether question, mm. I think. 
Uh, Conor Brady finishes his piece about Irish waters the potential to generate social tension and unrest political leaders must tread a careful line avoiding any overreaction that would create further support for the would-be mob rulers while preserving the primacy of the democratic process this will require rather more political skill and craft than has been brought to bear upon the issue up to now I think that's probably a, a fair summary of the situation Fergus well it, it probably is yes um, on the other hand um I think it is fair to say that this government moved an enormous long way to try to meet the demands that people had uh, in relation to water. Did, did they bottle it by doing so? Though? Well, no, no pun intended. Like I mean, there's there's well, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's, there's, there's no there's no stick. There's no real incentive no, to pay. That was, uh, seems no, incredible. Well, in fact, there's a disincentive in mm. in the sense that you get your grant whether you pay or not, which which seems to be absolutely daft. Yeah. Um, uh, but. I mean, there were a lot of things at the start that a lot of people, including myself, really object to. The PPS numbers, for example. The PPS numbers, everybody's PPS numbers being held on a cloud somewhere. Um, all of that kind of stuff surrounding the water charges, which we've all now forgotten. Even though there's very little you can actually do with anybody's okay. PPS number. Was that not a little bit of a red herring? Um, well, well, that's a bit like saying there's very little you can do with somebody's address or there's very little you can do with somebody's name. Our PPS number well, is part of our address identity. You can, you can have as a database. It's a, a, part, of, it's a part of our identity. Um, and, you know, we're, we are entitled to a reasonable degree of privacy in relation to critical aspects of our identity. Um, your PPS number um, in, the right, in the wrong hands tells... Uh, is capable of revealing a lot of information about you, your tax status, your social welfare status, etc. Et Only if you have access to the revenue. Mm. If you, yes, if you, you can have that you can, with a name and address. But if you can right? hack one thing, you can hack another thing. Yeah. That's, that was the point. Okay. Uh, listen, just before we go to a break, um, Bernice, you, you referenced uh, Pat Leahy's piece. Yeah. There's, a, there's obviously a poll today in the... Yeah, in the, another uh, poll. Another in the, another and poll. As, yeah. as you pointed out, um, I mean, no... I mean, there, there has been a view that maybe the Saritza situation in Greece might see a return, voters return back to traditional parties. That hasn't happened. No, what he said, no it, it, he said this, there was a four point increase in independence last month and this month it's five. So that's a trend, if, if you like. Fianna Fáil um, down, Fine Gael down. But he, so he's, he's slicing up the electorate. He's saying that 51%, so 50% are going to vote with established parties and 30% now are going to go with independence. So he says the only thing that's to play for now in the in the election is that 20%, that 20% undecided, that 20% who don't know what they're going to do. But he's also saying that actually in it, the, the what usually happens is that the 20% will gravitate towards what they know. Mm. They will gravitate towards the main parties. Fergus, uh, I mean, putting together the next government is, I mean, I, it's either, it looks at the moment like it's either Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil or a kind of a 1948-style government where you have Fine Gael, Labour and a whole plethora of maybe Renewa, the Social Democrats, the Greens, the Independents. Is that how you see it shaping up? Well, I mean, I think I said in the radio during the week that I, as things stand right now, I think we're all going to wake up the morning after the election and say, Mother of God, what have we done? Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be the uh, first time. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. But um, I mean, this this poll, uh, and it's, it has a lot in common with recent polls, uh, trends are becoming quite established. Um, this poll is a plague on all your houses. That's what that's what the people are saying to the political system. Um, uh, they don't want Fine Gael, they don't want Fianna Fáil, they don't want Labour. Um, they don't particularly, you know, want Sinn Féin. They want a bit of everything. Um, uh, and how you put a government together, especially when, uh, you know, I mean, I, I saw Mick Wallace doing an interview, uh, I think it was part of Pat Leahy's programme on, on RT recently, saying you have to sell your soul to be in government. Um, uh, I, I, That's nonsense, isn't it? 
I, I would say, well, I said it at the time it was nonsense. I said it was actually demeaning nonsense, but it is nonsense. Um, uh, he said, on the one hand, I'd love to be Minister for Justice, and then he said, I'd have to sell my soul to be Minister no, for Justice. You, you have to make decisions, and you have to take on popular stances. You do, you do. Um, uh, and sometimes, God help us, you have to compromise. Um, but the key problem, I think, is that so many of the independents are using as their core value rejection of the whip system. Now, I don't like the whip system. I don't know anybody in politics who likes the whip system. And the whip system has become totally overused um, uh, and to, to the point where it's, you know, it's 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 like a bully uh, in the classroom. But is it, is it but, as Churchill said about democracy, the least worst option? Well, governments can't govern without some degree of coherence and discipline. There has to be some degree of a sense of we have a five-year job to do. Here's how we stay together for five years, or at least for three and a half years. Um, and if you're trying to form a government with, peop- with people who have gone through an entire election campaign on doorstep after doorstep after doorstep saying, our core value is the right to disagree, um, uh, th- that's fine. That's a very respectable value. Mm. You know, it's, it's got a long tradition attached to it, but it's not a tradition that's capable of governing a country, especially a government, a country that's in as fragile a state as we are. OK, and um, just before we go to a break, Bernice, as our resident non-anorak here, I'm, <laughs> I'm not asking you how you're going to vote, but would you have any idea how, uh, which party, you, I'm not asking which one it would mm. be, but would you know at this stage who you would be voting for? Just well, I probably would know. I mean, what I'm interested in, in seeing this week is the fact that, you know, the goodies are now being taken out, but the promises are starting to be given. You know, we saw at Lissadell, you know, the property tax promise. So we're already yeah, in Great piece by Cliff Taylor in, in your paper yesterday saying, you know what, we're going back down Backwards. the road of making the yeah. property tax impotent yeah. and it's just going to be returning to income taxes yeah, again. Completely. And I think, you know, that's what Conor Brady was saying, getting back to that. He was saying, you know, we're going to have to do something with water, with Irish water that's probably going to have to go back into income tax again, you know. So uh, the auction politics is starting. I'm interested in watching that. Cynically okay. interested All right. in watching uh, Bernice Harrison from the Irish Times, Fergus Finley, Chief Executive of Bernardo's, uh, are staying with us. Uh, we're going to be actually talking more about uh, the political system with Fintan O'Toole uh, after 11 o'clock, but more from the papers on the Sunday show after this short break. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Bernice Harrison and Fergus Finley are with us going through the, uh, the Sunday papers. Uh, Bernice, Ashburn Annie. Who who is Ashburn well, Annie? <laughs> Ashburn Annie. She's not actually married to breakfast roll man, uh, but it's the same sort of thing. What it is, um, uh, this is a piece by Philip Ryan in the Sunday Indo, and he's saying that uh, Labour have targeted this notion of this ideal person that they want to, to speak to in the election. Ashburn Annie. Ashburn Annie, it's a t- uh, sort of a category came up with by the market research company. She's a classic voting voter. Um, Flo- floating uh, voter? Uh, floating, floating voter. <laughs> yeah. She lost her job during the recession and now stays at home looking after her primary school children. Her husband works hard, but his wages were cut during the recession. The family is struggling to make mortgage repayments in what was once their ideal home. So, and she's kind of in the commuter Belt, she's uh, in the, the commuter Ashburn. belt. She's, you know, Blanchardstown, Betty, Drogheda, Dorian. So she's the commuter <laughs> belt. Look. Nay snoring. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, just yeah, see, you can, see, you can see the uh, sort of a smarmy marketing guy, can't you, in the room, in the meeting yeah. with the whiteboard, writing it up and everybody can furiously do, do you know what I can see in my head? Do you know what I can, I can actually see in my head? Uh, this presentation being given and Fergus Finley there with his head <laughs> in his hands going, uh, shaking It never his head. was like this. 
Well, well, first of all, I don't think it was a marketing guy. I think it was a researcher. I think it was a market researcher. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I think this is just a construct. And it's yeah. And, and these some, are big and poly- we had Mondeo yes. Man some, for somebody, Tony Blair. Somebody somewhere decided to put a nickname to the construct, mm. um, uh, and that is the classic way in which things blow up in your face. I cannot understand how they keep doing it. We had talked to Joan a little while ago, which was actually a very good idea. Um, uh, you know, it's a way of using social media, but it was just hammed up. And when you start hamming these things up, people start laughing. Mm. Um, uh, and that's and the worst thing in politics, isn't it? When people, well, it, it, you, it, you, can, you can hack people criticising you, people laughing at you and you're finished. It's the, the only thing worse than being ignored is being laughed at. <laughs> now, the, um, the trouble is, of course, in this is that uh, everything is going to reference back to it now. They're saying, speaking at these, Joan um, Burton make numerous reference to helping families with young children. Point. Just like Annie's. Just the point. That's exactly right. And and undoubtedly, Joan Burton said a range of other things Mm, in that speech as well. I don't remember the speech, but I'm sure she spoke about a whole lot of other groups. But whoever's writing this piece thought, aha, Mm. I found Ashburn Annie in the piece um, or in the speech. And I mean, you're right. I mean, fat old guys like me put our heads in our hands and say, for God's sake, whatever you do, Avoid putting a tag on this. Avoid <laughs> just, this is just a piece of useful it advice. It is good fun for the rest of us, though. It's good it fun is. for the rest of us. But there is no doubt whatsoever that, you know, there's, there's undoubtedly a piece of good political research somewhere which says here is a description of a floating voter who, you know, uh, mightn't entirely hate um, us uh, <laughs> and, and therefore might be worth talking to. Okay, uh, just before we move off uh, politics, Fergus, just interested in getting your view on the the British Labour uh, Party and this, I suppose, the extraordinary rise of of, um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Some people suggesting it's like Labour, what they did in in 1979 and electing Michael Foote uh, as their leader. Do you you go along with that? I just don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've seen Jeremy Corbyn a couple of times. He strikes me as a very attractive, if somewhat old-fashioned looking uh, figure. I, I very I'm, very left wing. It comes across as a very decent he, he fellow. Seems, very he seems left wing. He seems yeah. honest. He seems to uh, you know call it as he sees it. Um, Wants uh, to re- nationalize, renationalize the railways. I mean, yeah. it's kind of old fashioned it, labour. It's pretty old fashioned, and and I would have one anxiety, uh, which is that he seems to be more interested in having. Uh, you know, where this island is concerned, he seems to be more interested in having fraternal links with Sinn Féin than he has... Uh, than and has traditionally been very close to Sinn Féin. Um, but, but leaving that to one side, that's just my bias. Um, I, I, uh, I, I'd, I'd worry about how... I mean, what, what the Labour Party has to do is it has to win back Middle England. It has spectacularly lost Middle England. It has to win back uh, a sufficient number of votes in Scotland. I mean, Labour... Two, two very different labor. markets. Yeah, there, they're two though, very they? different markets, um, and and there's a there's a, an odd obviously. thing going on in Scotland. Uh, you know, a kind of a nationalist thing going on in Scotland, which which is a you know a, a, diff- a more difficult and complicated audience to talk to. But Scotland was Labour. Do you know? Like they used to talk about Tory Free Scotland at a time when uh, the Labour Party held complete sway, and now it has just been completely wiped out. They have to rebel that to some extent, but much more they have to recapture Middle England. And, and does that suggest that, on the, that Jeremy Corden isn't on that the mad? Face I mean, of you think Corbyn about it, only like one that. man in the last, what is it, 40 years, only one Labour leader has won an election. That's, right. that's and, Tony Blair. And, Nobody else has and, done it. And uh, built a huge reputation and threw it entirely away uh, on, on, on the, the Iraq, Iraq war. war. Yeah. Um, and in a funny sort of way, the revulsion within Labour 
against Blair and the Iraq war is the thing that has given rise to Jeremy Corbyn. There is There are people within the Labour Party saying, God, if only we could rediscover, reconnect with some of those decent old values that we used to espouse. And he's representing that for them. Whether he represents electability, I think, is a, is a much bigger question. Which is which is capable of being answered by him ultimately. You know, I mean, if he if if uh, he's going to have to change, he's going to have to be different. He's going to have to, um, uh, you know, find a way of reaching out beyond. Yeah, he uh, is. That. It should be said by some way the the most colourful of the, uh, the 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 leadership contenders. They're a pretty dull bunch. The, uh, well, the he's the most colourful current politician in the UK. Never mind in the Labour Party in yeah. the UK. He actually, I just uh, I was reading about him over the weekend. He. Um, he broke up with his second wife over um, sending their kids to private school. He was absolutely opposed to sending them to a grammar school. Now, he did say there were other issues at stake. But that now that's what I call a conviction politician. Well, that sounds to me a bit more like an obsessive compulsive. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you don't abandon love over... Yeah, uh, he, over I think ideology. to be fair to him, he did say there were other issues, but they were private. This is the one issue he was willing to discuss. Well, that sounds like to nonsense to me. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. that's, that sounds like he's, he's trying to find a way to blame somebody else. Okay. Uh, listen, let's stay with uh, Labour politicians, uh, Bernice. Uh, Alan Kelly, uh, interesting story in the front of the Business Post. Well, this is, yeah, it, this story, the, the headline is Kelly doled out grants to tip constituency against expert Minister advice. Minister in giving uh, do, uh, grants to his own constituency, Sharker. Well, exactly. So I, I thought, oh God, you know, this is, it's the last week in July, This and there's another headline somewhere else in one of the, in one of the papers saying, you know, shocking civil servant taxi bill. So I thought, this is a filler. Mm. This is a July don't filler. The, don't but, forget the pottery in the Doyle restaurant. <laughs> the Exactly, but actually, this is a really good story, and yeah, it is. Michael it's, Brown completely correspond. With it, story, yes, yeah. it's it's worth the front page. And what it is is um, there was six point five million in a to be given out. It was for a travel fund, and what it was for towns and villages to pitch in and look for some money to make their towns safer for pedestrians and cyclists. So that's what this fund was for. So quite quite a nice bit of money. Um, and there was an expert group and the expert group came up with a scoring system, very transparent scoring system. Um, where this story is coming from, this acad- an academic is, uh, some academic was doing a study on it and under freedom of information got the details on the scoring system. Now, so what it transpires is that uh, Minister for the Environment, Alan Kelly, ignored expert advice by giving 1.5 million in grants to towns in his constituency. He gave 1 million to Clonmel and more than 500,000 to Thurlis. And again, if they had all, both of those scored the highest in their categories, you'd say, grand, you know, yeah. so what? But, but they actually, were, they, didn't, they, they didn't. Well Thurlis uh, scored just 56 marks out of 100. Um, and then uh, so th- that project was funded. But for example, Athlone got 79 marks, Castle Blaney and Monon 77, Kilkenny 70, Drogheda 70. And they got no money. They got no money. Okay. So that's a question. Yeah, Fergus, I mean this is the kind of stuff that it, it does kind of infuriate people and make people disillusioned with, with politics when they see uh, this kind of what, what seems to be on the face of it, ministers favouring their own constituencies. Does, now, yeah. Look, it does happen. We know it happens. It does. I mean, it's very much of a piece with the um, James Riley uh, primary, primary care, care centres, centres yeah. uh, story of, of a couple of years ago. I, what, I, what I haven't seen is a reply from Alan Kelly and I'm very reluctant to sort of, you know, get stuck in without without seeing a reply from Alan Kelly. But um, on the face of it, there are questions to be answered. Absolutely no doubt about that. 
Okay. Um, it's, not a, it's not a huge amount of money, but, but you know... It's about except matter. if you're a Castle Blaney or Kilkenny, yeah. it'd be fairly yeah, close. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, just be time for one last very quick uh, story, uh, Bernice. Uh, something that caught my eye on this Sunday Independent, light story. Uh, a, a journalist writing that, talking about putting her daughter to bed and looking at her daughter and wondering... Is it better to be to be beautiful than than bright? Oh, for God's sake! Look, you're not convinced. I just I thought, tell. no. Do you know? What, do you know what I thought when I read this? Again, I thought oh, July. Look, this is a filler piece. Uh, it's bought in from the Telegraph. Total it, it, filler. It is an Wait a second. Now, do you know what it's based on? A recent poll by Lloyd's Pharmacy. I wonder what they sell. Do they say ma- sell makeup? Well, yes, they do. They wouldn't do. have any vested interest at all. No, no vested interest there. Family found near one third are scared to go into the office when they feel unattractive. Now, that doesn't seem to stop any of my co-workers. But yes, come in. They all come in. Um, they feel like, while 42% of respondents admitted their self-esteem is directly linked to their appearance. I mean, come on. So she's, she's well, look, she's she's managed to hang, you know, 800 words on this. You're a big fan of Mad Men, aren't you, though? I, I mean, certainly am. Do you remember am. how uh, Don, every time he walks into a room, people <laughs> swoon and <laughs> yeah. stuff? Women throwing their yes, hotel yes, keys at yes, him. But That's not because of his yes, brains. Who, but that's hold what on. happens when you arrive in here, isn't who it, tr- who, <laughs> But <laughs> Well, seeing that you did mention uh, Mad Men, who triumphed in the end? Betty. Betty, if you remember, mm-hmm. and I know this is Mad Men Anorak time, but Betty in the beginning, she was the plain girl. And she triumphed in the end. Yeah, uh, first thing is someone I who am, is, I who am is not beautiful and anorak, okay? And yeah. I'm, I'm neither beautiful nor bright. Um, I, 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 this is one of those stories that you read and you think, Mother of God, has the woman nothing better yeah. to write about? <laughs> Heavens above. Uh, I mean, I've never put my kids to bed or my grandkids to bed without looking down and saying, My God, aren't you gorgeous? I'm like, why yeah. wouldn't everybody's kid is okay. gorgeous? Yeah. Well, she's, I, okay. I, I don't want to leave it without it mentioning one oh, story. Oh, oh sorry, yeah, you want to mention sorry. this. this special well, there's a story in the in the uh, Sunday Indo, I think uh, about, uh, the, and it's the only story I've been able to find about the fact that there is a World Games going on at the moment, and there is an Irish team that has worked its socks off for years and years and years. That's the Special Olympic World Games. There's an Irish team there. Um, I'm I'm not saying it's not going to be covered. I'm pleading for coverage. Well, can I just say just say that Simon Carswell in the Irish Times, he's over there. He's in Los Angeles. Yeah. He's covering the Irish Times, giving huge I'd expect, coverage. I'd it. expect the Irish Times to cover it and I'd expect RTE to cover it. I want as much coverage as possible. People people think of Special Olympics and they think, ah, oh, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? What they don't realise is the amount of work, the amount of pain, the amount of suffering and also the fact that of all the international sports events that you have, this is going to be the cleanest. This is going to be the games about which there'll be no suggestion of cheating, diving, drugs, dirty play, and genu- foul play. genuine sportsmanship. There will be yeah. fierce competition, ferocious competition, and there'll be families at those games who have been through hell and back to get their kids there. Okay. Okay, uh, very important note on uh, which to end. By the way, you heard Henry McKean in the news earlier. He's going to be reporting all week here on News Talk from LA on the Special Olympics. And my thanks to Bernice Harrison from the Irish Times, Fergus Finley, Chief Executive of Bernardo's.